Hello, and welcome to the Mama Mentor Podcast. My name is Joyce, and here we talk everything life. Happy Thanksgiving to all my Canadian listeners. Uh, It is Thanksgiving weekend here in Canada. I know my American listeners, you guys don't celebrate for about another five weeks. One of these days, I'm going to have to look up why we have two different Thanksgivings. I know that there's a perfectly logical explanation, and I'm pretty sure it's about people that came over from Europe to the land at different times. But I've never actually taken the time to look that up, but I'm going to, because it's not weird, though, funny enough. It's not weird, and I don't think anybody finds it weird. We all just know Canada has Thanksgiving in, like, the first couple weeks of October and the United States has it in the end of November. You know, we know about Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving up here in Canada. We know all about that. We celebrate it. We, we do, we have the sales, all our stores have the sales too, stuff like that. Um, and I'm pretty sure you guys in the States are pretty aware of our Canadian Thanksgiving too, because I do see, um, some of my, friends who are Americans, they are always wishing their Canadian listeners and their Canadian besties happy Thanksgiving. So I think we're kind of aware of each other's Thanksgiving. So anyway, it's the Thanksgiving weekend. Yay. So we do turkey. We do all those things. The turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, carrots, gravy, buns, pie and ice cream. That's what we do in my family anyway. We're having our big dinner tomorrow. Uh, Sometimes we have it on Sunday, but I kind of like to have it on the Monday. Usually because I'm busy on the weekend doing stuff. I did a lot of farm chores today. I had some... For those of you who have been following the podcast since the beginning, you know that we have a rural property now. And before, just like literally just before the snow fell last year, right after possession, um, me and my oldest son, we dropped seven or eight trees on the property. Um, And before any of you come at me about cutting down trees, there's a couple of things I want you to know. First of all, on possession day, one of the trees had actually fallen on its own. And it had a diameter of about, I don't know, 18 inches. Huge tree right next to the house. The fact that it didn't fall on the house, sheer miracle. <clears throat> Which, of course, prompted us to take some other trees that were in strategically terrible positions around the house that could, in a windstorm or heavy snowfall or stuff like that, knock the tree over. Those of you who live in areas that have like heavy snowfall or strong winds, you know what I'm talking about when trees can just fall over. They can, a big storm can come and boom, tree, tree over. And usually that kind of indicates the tree is at the end of its life anyway. So, so the trees we cut down were all strategically in bad places right around the perimeter of the house. And honestly, most of them were not in good condition. Like they really kind of needed to come down. So anyway, so literally the first few days after possession, we were out there with chainsaws, you know, cutting, cutting down the trees. And if you've ever cut down trees, 
It's not just you cut down the tree and you're done. You have to then go along and cut all of the limbs off the fallen tree and pull those away. Um, we have started a brush pile that we are going to wait until we've got a significant amount of snow. And then we are actually going to burn the brush all the way down to ash and then take the ash and spread it on the garden. Because I don't know if everybody knows this, but ash from like your wood stove or your fire pit is really good for your garden, especially for root crops, especially potatoes. <clears throat> so for those of you that grow potatoes or would like to grow potatoes or just want to amend your soil kind of naturally, there's another thing you can do with your ashes. You don't have to throw them away. So we are putting the brush, brush in a brush pile to be burned over the winter. And we have been systematically chopping up these logs into kind of 16 inch lengths that we then like chop up for wood stove size, like quarter the, the logs. So anyways, so, cause you can't, cause you can't burn that right away. Like, so when we cut them down last year, cutting the tree down, we cut the trees down and then we delimb them, but, but it's not like you can chop up the wood and throw it in your wood stove. You kind of have to let it sit and do what is called seasoning. So that's what we've kind of done from last year to now. So we're now in the process of taking those logs and lengths of trees and chopping them up to the right length to fit in the wood stove and then chopping those lengths into quarters for firewood, which involves like moving the logs from point A to point B and then chopping them and then stacking them in our woodshed. <coughs> Which, I know it sounds like a lot of work, but if you've been waiting kind of your whole life to have a rural property in the family, it's not really work because you kind of dreamed about being able to do that the whole time. So I was doing a bunch of that today, just hauling big, huge logs over to where we're going to chop them because they have to be hauled to the chopping spot, and then the woodshed is right next to the chopping spot. So I did all the hauling of the logs. I got most of them. And it's really quite a workout, because I'm using a wagon. Sometimes we use the truck for brush when there's, like, you know, more than just me here. We use the truck and just load all the brush in the back of the truck and then drive it out to the field where we're piling it for the brush fire. <coughs> I have no idea why every time I try to film or to record a podcast that I all of a sudden get a dry throat. I'm going to suspect it's because I literally came inside about an hour ago from doing said log hauling. So, but anyways, back to the log hauling. So it is super fun to be doing that. It, it feels like a privilege and a blessing because I've always wanted to have a, uh, a rural property, a little mini farm, if you will, um, in the family. And so to be able on the Thanksgiving weekend to be hauling logs that are later going to be split and then brought into the house for the wood stove to have fires in the winter feels like a huge privilege and a blessing. And I'm super thankful for that. <clears throat> so yeah. What, and I, and this is the first Thanksgiving at the farm because we didn't get the property till after Thanksgiving last year. So this is the first Thanksgiving at the farm. So it was super 
fun to do like farm chores today at the farm. So, and the weather is beautiful. It is about 21, 22 degrees Celsius um, for my American friends and listeners. That is around 72 to 74 degrees. So it is a beautiful day outside. Like I was out there in sweats and a tank top. The leaves are all changing color for fall. So there's red ones and yellow ones. And then of course the evergreens are still green. There's a beautiful light breeze, you know, so you don't get too sweaty because it is quite warm. And it's just beautiful. You can hear the birds. Everything just has that nice fall flavor. And of course, because I'm out on a farm, if I look across the highway to the big farm across the road, which they have their big, huge field, there's all a whole bunch of like hay bales in the field. So it's so picturesque. So wonderful, super thankful to be able to be doing farm chores on the family farm this Thanksgiving. Super thankful for that. I also got to be a little bit thankful this weekend for some extra knowledge that I got to glean this weekend, some unplanned knowledge, um, our septic system backed up. So that happened yesterday. So immediately I was like, oh, it's probably the pump. So I, I located the opening to the septic tank, which we had not done up until then, so I was very proud of myself that I was able to kind of Sherlock Holmes it a bit and find the location to the septic tank and opened it up. Sure enough, it was super full, which meant the pump wasn't working, so I called a pump-out place, and they came within like an hour and a half and, you know, pumped it dry and confirmed my suspicion that the pump was indeed shot. So we are going to be replacing that pump. We're on a lookout for a good reasonably priced septic tank pump and we'll be on the hunt for that luckily our septic tank system it's actually like if you know anything about septic systems it's like two tanks it's super huge like i'm betting because of how full that this septic tank was when the guy was pumping it out i'm gonna bet that it the pump had not been working the whole time we've owned it because It was so full, like so full. And it literally just started backing up yesterday. So luckily, again, luckily, the place that it backed up was in the basement, which is currently unfinished. So yes, there was like sewage water, but luckily on just on a concrete floor. So yes, it was gross and messy. I, I stemmed the flooding while I was waiting for the pumper people to come. So handled that quite quickly. So there wasn't like a ginormous amount of flooding and mess to clean up. The guy pumped it all dry. So honestly, we're probably good till spring without a pump. Because like I said, from judging from how full it was, because I didn't realize how big the tank was until he pumped it all out. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to guess that pump has not been working the entire time that we've been here because it was so huge and there's no way, like there's just no way. Like we're just not putting that much liquid through our waste system with, you know, like, like I said, dishes are few and far between. 
you know, honestly, I know this is, I know this is going to sound silly, but like, I kind of almost, I kind of like go to my house in the city to shower, if that makes any sense. Mostly because I have all my products and blow dryers and all that stuff there. So I kind of grunge it when I'm out here. That's not to say I don't clean myself, but it's not like a full, you're not going doing the full bath. It's like a quick rinse and out you get. So again, not long showers or not long baths and not lots of dishes being done and water usage. So there's no way that that could have just stopped working within like a couple of weeks. That had to have been the whole time. So which is kind of crappy, no pun intended, um, in one respect, because it would have been nice to know when we were doing the home inspection that that pump was probably not working. Um, On the good side, because like I said, the likelihood that it had been gone the whole time means that, you know, we've got some time before we have to put a pump in because clearly, clearly, that gives us almost a year. And that's, and that's assuming it was empty when we bought it, which I doubt it. So, I got to learn all about <clears throat> the location to my septic system, how to access the opening, I got to learn all about septic systems because honestly, I guess if I'd thought about it, I would have assumed that there was like two compartments, solids and liquids. Um, but it was really nice that the guy who was doing the pump out was explaining, you know, this is where your waste comes from. This is, you know, your solid tank, your liquid tank. This is where the pump is. Yes, indeed, the pump is broken. This is how everything works. So I really got to feel confident in knowing the septic system at the farm and how it works and how it's supposed to work, which made me feel a little less panicky because sometimes when stuff doesn't go right for me, I can kind of have panic. Don't get me wrong. You want me in the trenches if it's your problem of something because I am cool, calm, collected, have great ideas, can stand up for you. You know, if you need an advocate, I can do all the things. Somehow that skill goes right out the window when it's my own problem. But I was quite proud of myself. Like I said, found the location, called the pumper people. They came and pumped. It was the pump, got it all pumped dry and they left and we are on the search for um, a new pump. Side note, and this is not, you know, sponsored in any way by these two companies, but I'm so thankful for Glad Garbage Bags and Pine Sol. First of all, <clears throat> there was some rags on the floor where all of the sewage water came bubbling up out of the ground at quite a hefty pace. And they, t- I can't even describe the smell. I'm assuming dead body would be a good description. They were so gross, but had rubber gloves on, picked them all up, put them in a glad garbage bag with full confidence. There was going to be no leakage, nothing. So that was great. Second of all, I got some pine salt. And if you've ever used pine salt, you'll know exactly what I'm about to say. Pine salt is really good for cleaning and disinfecting. It's amazing. The third thing is the smell of pine salt is super strong. And so when I was using the pine salt to clean up the area downstairs, because even when you clean up the water, like the water stopping coming out 
and you've cleaned up the water and most of it's dry and you're, and you're at the cleaning point, it still smells like to high heaven until you start spraying that pine saw around. And then it is like a big nasal eraser because all you can smell is the pine saw. And it's not just right away. It, like that, the scent lasts for a long time. And I really appreciate that because nobody wants the smell of sewer wafting up from the basement on Thanksgiving weekend. It kind of makes you not want to eat turkey. Kind of, sort of. It also kind of makes you not want to do anything else. But yeah, so that was great. So got it cleaned up, um, did some more cleaning today because it's kind of one of those things for me anyways, that it's going to be a process of cleaning. You know, like the first was the damage control. Then it was that first initial cleaning. Today was a little more cleaning. And then, you know, in the coming days, I'll be doing more and more cleaning because I need to have that emotional clean about the situation now because I know there was wastewater on the floor. Like I had the gloves I used right to the garbage, right to the garbage after I was done. Um, and I will be probably going through two or three pairs because every time I do a cleaning down there, I'm going to use the gloves and then throw them in the garbage. Also, I wear shoes because hello, concrete floor, wastewater. Like if I have to explain that to you, there's no point. Pine salt, seriously sprayed the bottoms of my shoes with pine salt, washed the bottoms of my shoes after I was done, sprayed the cloth parts of the shoes with pine salt. At this point, I was like, I don't care. Pine salt's getting sprayed on everything. And I will continue this process until <laughs> I'm emotionally cleansed of this event. But it was a good learning experience, like I said. Because now I know where the septic tank is. Now I know how to access it. Now I know what it is supposed to look like. Now I know how it is supposed to work. And I know where the pump is. And I know what to do. I know what to do. And that is a very powerful thing for me. Um, as a woman, I like to be well informed with the workings of my home and my vehicle and my body and all the things because to me, knowledge is power. And I knew everything about my city house. I know how the wastewater goes out. I know how the water comes in. I've replaced plumbing there. I've replaced the water heater, blah, blah, blah. I've done all the things because I like to be self-sufficient, first of all. And being able to fix things yourself is a super handy skill. Plus it saves you money. Plus, like I said, it gives you some empowerment where you know how things are supposed to sound, work, feel, whatever. You know. And when you know, even when something happens with those things, because you're going, hey, I know what that's supposed to sound like. And what the sound I'm hearing is, is probably this piece that I know of malfunctioning. You tend to be a little more composed as you do the diagnostic process, figure out what's wrong and fix the problem. At least that's the way it is for me. So it was a learning experience. You know, like I said, I, was, I watched the whole thing, watched him suck it out. He showed me all the things. And before you're going, well, you know, if it was such a horrific thing to be cleaning up wastewater from your basement, why is it you had your head practically in your septic tank? 
here's the thing. For those of you who have a septic tank, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. A proper, healthy, balanced septic tank does not stink like you think it stinks. It does not smell like an outhouse on an August day. It does not smell like a porta potty that is in desperate need of being emptied. It just smells moist and earthy for the most part because it's balanced. There's bacteria in there and it's got a balance that it's, is it gross? Yeah. Is it horrifically smelly? No, it's not because the bacteria is doing its job and breaking down stuff and doing all the things it's supposed to. And as long as you keep your septic system balanced, you won't have stink. And ours didn't stink. Earthy, wet, didn't stink. The stuff coming out of the basement floor, another story, because that stuff obviously was what was fresh in the pipes. So it was gross. So I am very thankful for that experience in the end, because it gave me knowledge that I did not previously have. I am also thankful that it happened on a beautiful fall day in the afternoon, sun shining, warm, there was no rain, there was no snow, and the pumper company was, like I said, out here doing their job in an hour and a half, which on the Thanksgiving weekend, on the Saturday of a Thanksgiving weekend, is amazing, considering we are so far from town. So kudos to them. So I'm very thankful that it went, because it could have come, it could have come in the middle of the night in when everything is frozen outside in a snowstorm. And that would have been a whole other debacle, especially given where the septic tank lid was. That would have made it so much harder to find if I'd had to do that in the winter because of where it is. So I'm thankful that if it had to happen at all, that it happened on a warm day in the light and help was able to arrive as quickly as it did. So another thing that I'm thankful for on this Thanksgiving weekend. And I'm also just thankful, like I said, for the weather in general. It is not uncommon where I live for us to be having some frost and we did have frost about a week ago not a super hard one but enough that like you know if you had tomatoes outside or pumpkins or like zucchinis like the leaves went black overnight from the frost but not a super hard frost like the ground's not frozen and there wasn't like frost on the grass and snow or anything like that but there have been years where that has happened and so to be on the Thanksgiving weekend where the weather is so beautiful that, like I said, I was out doing yard work in a tank top and pair of sweatpants and still a little warm, not going to lie, was kind of grateful for the little bit of a breeze that was blowing. And again, warm breeze, it isn't always like that. So super thankful that the first Thanksgiving at the farm, I got to be outside working in those conditions. Super thankful for that. I am so thankful for the harvest that we have gotten off of our farm this year. We got potatoes, we got carrots, we got zucchini, beets, beans, some corn, and I got the corn stalks. I let I I pulled them and let them dry so I can do that corn stalk kind of decor by your front door. 
in my city house as part of my porch decor. So that's super, super fun. I cannot wait. I've got them all ready. They're, they're drying outside. I just have to load them in the car and bring them home when I go. And then porch decor for that. So that's, I'm super happy. And we did, we did get some corn cobs. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure how good they would be because it was very short like I said we planted our garden in July but I'm super thankful that they grew it all and if if nothing else I got fun decor we also got a couple of squashes and three pumpkins and one of them is like bigger than my head and I got a big head and it's orange and it's amazing and I've put it as part of my porch decor if you follow me on Instagram at seven martians on mars and you watch the photos, you'll see my porch decor because I've got the pumpkins and the, the squash sitting on my bench on my porch as part of my porch decor because I'm just so darn proud of the fact that those grew from seed so quickly, like from seed to actually producing harvestable fruit in like July, August, September, like just over three months. And that's a lot for pumpkins and squashes like that. Usually they need that fourth month. So I was really pleased to get that. Super thankful for that. I'm super thankful for the flowers that have grown both at the farm here and at my city garden. My asters do so well every year. I get so many messages and comments when I post pictures of my asters because people are like, you grew those from seed? Because they kind of look like, they kind of, the ones that I grow, they're pink and they're fairly fluffy. So they almost look like they're a variety of a dahlia, but they're not. They're asters that I grow from seed because I have a huge thing for all things pink and especially pink flowers. So I grow them from seed. And I usually cut and make bouquets out of them for myself and I leave probably two or three to form seed heads and then I harvest the seeds two reasons first of all super love these pink ones and I can't always find the seeds for these particular pink ones second of all the pink the pink asters that I like the seeds are so expensive like you'll get like I don't know 25 seeds for four dollars now it's that's still like you know still way cheaper than if you had to buy 25 plants because you're getting 25 plants for four dollars but if I let a couple of them go to seed I can get hundreds of seeds for free so I always leave a couple to go to seed and then I kind of you know, enjoy planting them going, I planted this for my seed. I actually let some of my beans at the farm here also go to that level because I'm going to harvest the beans for seeds so I can plant those beans again next year. And I'm debating doing the same from the pumpkin and the squash on my porch for the same reason, because I really like the variety. They grew really quick. They did really well. Those are always good plants to save seeds from when something really kind of outshines your expectation. So super thankful for all the produce that grew in my yard. Oh, oh, and got 30 apples off my city property from our apple tree in the city. 30 apples. 
30 apples. And I don't mean crab apples. These were apples. They were good. I was so pleased. So really, it's been a good year, both at the city garden and the farm garden for just abundant production. And I love that. That's why I do it. I, I grow it for the fun of growing, but I also do grow for the food. Like that's the whole point of having a garden is so I can, I can get cut flowers that I like out of my own garden because there's nothing that beats cutting your own bouquet out of your garden. But to also grow food that we can eat, you know, that's less carrots and beans and potatoes and onions because I grew onions in the city garden and leeks. So that's less onions, less leeks, less potatoes, less tomatoes, less lettuce, less of everything that I'm purchasing from the store. So as prices are going higher and higher and higher, I'm harvesting more and more and more from my yard. And even if you can only do that part of the year, because, you know, I live in a zone 3B, 3A or 3B, um, so it's not like we can grow in the middle of winter because we have snow. So unless you've got a heated greenhouse, you're not growing stuff in the wintertime. You can have some stuff inside like lettuce and herbs and stuff like that, but you're not like growing corn in your living room in wintertime. So, but even if you can take the pressure off that grocery budget for yourself, for the supply chain as a whole, for the tax on the food production as a whole, it really does make a big difference. And it's super healthy because you grew it, so you know what's in it. You're also more likely to eat it because you grew it. And you're also going to really taste the difference in the difference between store-bought and not store-bought. And I also supplement stuff that I didn't grow or didn't grow enough of. I go to the farmer's market because, again, it might necessarily not have been grown in my garden, but it was grown in a local garden. So that feels good to me because we're all pretty much organic gardeners. So I know that it's going to be organic. It's local. So I'm still going to get all those benefits. And I'm helping out, you know, a local farmer. So the two, the two women that I get flowers from, they both own their own companies. One sells exclusively at, a, at the farmer's market and one has an actual flower shop. And I buy my flowers from then almost exclusively. Like in the past year, I have bought flowers once from somewhere other than them because I believe in supporting local, women empowering, all of that thing, women supporting women's business, I'm all for it. And, you know, and I've gotten to be friends with these women too. And so of course I feel like I'm helping my friend and they have the most beautiful flowers too. So that, you know, doesn't exactly hurt the situation. So I'm thankful for those local resources as well. So my bounty for my garden, the bounty from other people's gardens that I've been able to partake in. I am thankful for the relationship with these other business women that I have been able to curate and grow and really, really feel like a part of that community a little bit. So super yay. I'm also not going to lie this, this Thanksgiving weekend, super thankful for turkeys, super thankful for turkeys. I love a good turkey. I'm not usually one who will roast a whole chicken Here's why. It's not that I have anything against roast chicken. If you roast a chicken and bring it to me, I'll eat it. I have nothing. If I'm going to have roast chicken, 
I will buy the rotisserie chickens from like Costco or Safeway or whatever because, and this doesn't make sense to me. I know there's a big marketing reason why it is like this still. So to buy a raw chicken from Costco is more expensive than to buy the rotisserie chicken. So I always, so if I'm going to have a roast chicken, I will buy the rotisserie chicken because it's A, done for me, B, it's cheaper, and C, it's time-saving. I can literally, you know, at the end of a grocery, pick up a rotisserie chicken, go home, we can have chicken, we can have buns, we can have a salad, we can have a vegetable, and there's dinner, and we're talking minutes. But I love turkey. And we, so we eat it for the big holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, sometimes I get one for New Year's, sometimes I get one for Easter. It just depends. But usually for, and sometimes I buy turkey when it's not turkey season, if that makes any sense. Like, so it's not associated with the holiday or anything like that. Because we just love turkey. Because A, you're getting a bigger bird for not much more money than you're paying for a chicken, I might add. So you get a bigger bird for almost the same price. I like the flavor of turkey more than I like the flavor of chicken. I like the whole cook a turkey thing, like the preparing the pan, preparing the bird, stuffing the cavity, making the the stuffing on the side, because I don't stuff my birds. I make my stuffing separate. So making all that, roasting it in the oven, taking the drippings, making the gravy, having the having the stuffing on the side because regardless of when I make turkey, I always make turkey stuffing, mashed potatoes, gravy, and some sort of vegetable. Usually I make creamed corn from scratch. It's really easy. I'll tell you that in a minute, but this year, because we have so much carrots that we harvested from the garden, we're going to, as a nod, to be thankful for what we grew, going to have carrots. Not that I don't have cobs of corn that I actually need to process and put in the freezer that I got from, a, from the farmer's market, but we're going to have carrots nonetheless. So back to the cream corn. So if you want to make cream corn from scratch, here's what you do, or here's what I do. And I got this recipe from my good friend, Paula. Paula, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you a million times because we love this recipe. So we take corn on the cob... Now I blanch it first and then cut the corn off the cobs. So you got like a pile of kind of blanched corn. And then you put that in like a roasting pan and then lots of salt and pepper and then little pats of butter, real butter, not margarine. Don't use margarine for this. I usually just slice some butter off my butter block and just put like, I don't know, I'm going to say eight tablespoons of butter on the top. And then you're going to take heavy cream, not the half and half, the heavy cream, like so that whipping cream. And you're just going to pour it just kind of like not so that it's covering the corn, just slightly below that. Then you're going to cover it with the lid or foil or whatever you're covering it with. If you can do this in a crock pot too, done it in the crock pot, lid, foil, whatever, put it in the oven. I roast mine at about 400, 425 for probably 45 minutes. And then kind of the last few minutes, I'll take the cover off just to kind of like get the top all roasty. And it makes the best creamed corn ever. So I always get 
corn from the farmer's market and I will blanch it and then put it in freezer bags to freeze so that when I want to make creamed corn, I can just pull it out of the freezer and make creamed corn with it or just have regular corn or add it to soups and stews, but super easy. So I'm super thankful for turkey and I'm super excited to be having so many things from our garden being in the dinner because I'm going to make the buns from scratch. The potatoes are from the garden. The onions are from the garden. The carrots are from the garden. I'm going to use bread that I have made to be part of the stuffing, not the whole part, but you know, for some of the bread part of the stuffing. So really most of this meal is going to be stuff that like other than the actual turkey is going to be and herbs are going to be for my garden and all of that and it is going to be fantastic and I'm very excited so is my family and I'm super thankful for the opportunity to be eating turkey tomorrow but also to be eating so much that that I grew and we grew with our own hands and that I made for my own hands because like I said I'm making buns to go with it tomorrow super excited. And then of course we're having apple pie and ice cream for dessert, which I don't know about you guys, but there is just something magical about having a good piece of apple pie, slightly warmed with some vanilla ice cream, good vanilla ice cream. Don't, don't cheap out, get the good vanilla ice cream. It is just mm, mm, chef's kiss, chef's kiss every time. And we are usually one of those people that we will eat our turkey dinner. Then we will go do something like tidy up after, do whatever. And then we will come back and have our pie and ice cream later, usually because we're too full after the turkey. And nobody wants to try to stog pie and ice cream when they're so full because then you don't really enjoy it. You want to kind of be a little bit hungry for it. Usually, I don't want to say usually because that makes it sound like I do it every year, but a few times I have asked my oldest and dearest friend, Jana, to make me apple pies for my Thanksgiving because that woman can bake a pie like it was her calling. Like she is such a good pie baker and she bakes pies all the time. So once in a while I'll beg off for her a pie um, I didn't this year. She's been very busy with work and family and all kinds of stuff. So I bought one. But I bought it actually from a local baker. So again, supporting local and having it kind of handmade. So not from a big box store. So I'm very thankful that I have all of these resources to be able to pull together this Thanksgiving dinner for my family, that we are going to eat the bounty of our work that we are going to be able to enjoy the blessings of the bounty of some other people's work, eating good food, good desserts, and just spending quality time together and being thankful for all that we have. And I'm really looking forward to it. And even though the little septic thing, you know, I didn't let that, I didn't let that tarnish my weekend because it's just a bump in the road and it's solved for now. I'm really thankful for all that I have going on right now for the, the knowledge I'm learning about the farm for, like I said, the bounty time with my family, I've been able to get a whole bunch of crafts started for the winter, lots of stuff for me to be thankful for this weekend. So 
by the time you guys hear this podcast, it's going to be after Thanksgiving. I might actually, I might actually put it up tomorrow so that it actually comes out on Thanksgiving. So if you're from Canada, happy Thanksgiving. And if you are not from Canada, happy Thanksgiving to you too. I hope we can all remember to be thankful for all the good things in our life, for the opportunity to learn new things when they come upon us, for the opportunity to have lessons that we need to learn, and to really see ourselves, our family, and our life with an eye of gratitude and be and really itemize a little bit on the daily, but definitely kind of do a weekly review of things that you're grateful for that happened this week. Because there's not going to be, it's not going to be all day, every day of gratitude. Don't get me wrong. Crap happens to us all at the most inconvenient time. But if we can pull out of our day and pull out of our week and our month and our year and this season of our lives, the things that we can actually feel gratitude for, I think it elevates our mindset and it also makes us more aware of other things that we may not have noticed before that we are also thankful for that will come to our mind when we're starting to itemize, hey, I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful for that. I'm like, oh, well, actually, I'm actually grateful for that too that didn't come to mind before I started listing stuff off. And I think the more that we have that gratitude on a daily, weekly basis for where we are at now, being grateful for where we are. You might be on a big journey of of growth and progression and betterment. I hope we're all on that journey. I feel like I'm on that journey. And it is a journey. So we need to focus on every step of that journey and be grateful and show gratitude for all the little steps we've done. Maybe you did uh, an extra load of laundry today. Maybe you immediately put your dishes in the dishwasher after you're done using them. Maybe you did something small like you shut the shower curtain and put up the bath mat after you had a shower. Maybe you took the garbage out before it was overflowing. And I use that as an example because in my house, I swear to you, that is a decades-long battle. Every time I put a fresh bag in that garbage can, I say to myself, I'm going to make sure that goes out to the garbage can before it's all the way full so that there's not garbage spilling out onto the floor and making messes and making that soupy gunk in the bottom. And I don't all the time make it to that, but let me tell you, every time that when I pull that bag out, it's not over full and there's no gunk in the bottom, I am grateful for that moment. And I'm noticing those moments are happening more than they used to. So I'm grateful for that progression as well. Maybe you remember to fill the ice cube trays and put them in the freezer. Maybe you didn't forget the laundry in the washer and put it in the dryer, regardless if you folded it afterwards. If you just didn't let them rot in the washer, and that's something you usually did, be grateful for that. That's progress. Have gratitude that you're growing. All the little things. Look at how far you've come from last month, from last six months, from last year. 
and be grateful for that progression. Let that progression spur you on to more progression. What's the next step? What's the next routine? What's the next thing I can lock down as a ritual for self-care and well-being? What's the next thing I can add my routine to like step it up around my house a little bit more and tidy it up? What can I delegate to family members who live in the home? You know, maybe I'm at a place now where I can confidently delegate to somebody because I'm not so wrapped up in doing everything myself. You know, maybe they're more willing to help. Maybe I don't care if they're willing to help and I just delegate it anyway. And I don't feel bad about delegating it. Growth, progression. Let's be grateful for that, especially in this season. This kind of starts our season of being really mindful of things we have as blessings and positives in our life because, you know, we're doing the whole Thanksgiving and then it's American Thanksgiving and then we're doing Christmas and New Year's and all of that beginning of the new year and new beginnings. So it really is kicking off a season of gratitude and mindfulness for things that are going well in our life, things that we are benefiting from, blessings in our life. So let's just keep those on the forefront in our life. As a side note, uh, all month long, I am doing a daily challenge on Instagram. It's just a little something, just a little extra chore, just 10 or 15 minutes, nothing big, but they're just little pockets of resistance around your house and garden that if you just do the daily task, you know, if you can squeeze it into your day, I put it up every day. I would love to hear, you know, comment done on the post when you've done it. It's at seven Martians on Mars on Instagram and just follow along. I'm following along and doing these tasks as well, just to get our house a little bit more decluttered, get it a little bit cleaner, get our yard ready for, you know, winter, for the holiday season when we're really stepping a little harder into our decor. We don't want to put decor into like a mess or a cluttery situation. And we want to feel like we can enjoy our homes and our gardens and our life when we have more established routines and rituals. So these are just little things to kind of step it up a little bit to kind of get you in the right mindset and get your house in the right place for the upcoming season so you can get more joy out of it than ever before. So I hope you follow along and do the tasks with me. As always on the Mama Mentor podcast, take what works and toss the rest because life's too short to be told what to do. Love you tons. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.